This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all damn thing there, keep it locked with this Unomics podcast. Hello, welcome back to episode 105 of the Disunomics podcast. I hope everybody's enjoyed their bank holiday. I've just watched um, my team struggle against a team that scored nine league goals in 18 league home games. It's it's a solemn week still. Anyway, announcement as per training Sundays, we've moved our location. We are now at We Are Bar, which is in Liverpool Street. You come out of Liverpool Street, the, the exit where KFC is, you take a, a young left right opposite Nat West, Nice bar, outdoor terrace with them heated marquee things. If you're a shisha smoker, you like blowing a young shisha and recording yourself like you're part of Bad Gang, you can come do that here, indoors and outdoors. Music, food, all that good stuff. So make sure you attend. Um, tickets are on shubs.com, just type in Trending Sundays. Trending without a G because we're cool. And also Trending Sundays on Instagram. Um, to the podcast, this is episode 105. And this week's topic is Dripponomics, Dripple Drown, designer and luxury goods, mainly more towards the fashion side of things. I, I hope to talk about the jewellery and watch side in another episode. Um, so this podcast is going to be broken up into a few segments. So firstly, we're going to discuss why on earth do you buy designers? Then we're going to discuss why designers hold value. And then we're going to discuss, um, to conclude, what is happening in today's market. So, first of all, why on earth do we buy designer items? So, just in case anybody anybody is not clear on what we are discussing here, we're talking about high-end fashion retailers or jewellers. So, you're talking your Louis Vuitton, you're talking your Prada, Fendi, uh, Ferragamo, Cavalli, Chanel, Balenciaga, Bottega, Renault, all these different types of brands. 
why do we even bother getting involved purchasing these extremely expensive goods? Well, it can be described, if you look at the psychology of the consumer, so this is more psychology at the beginning, um, you, we can argue that the consumer can be irrational. For those that... <laughs> um, sorry about that sign. Couple design accessories fell on the floor. Quite fitting for this podcast. Um, with economics, and for those who study economics, um, understand that quite a lot of the theory... For the theories to hold, there's usually a few assumptions that uh, whoever the economist has laid out. So one of them is usually zero transportation cost, and another another one is perfect information. So that means every single consumer or business entity in the economy has all the information required to make the most rational decision. And another assumption is that consumers and business entities make rational decisions. So this is where it kind of breaks down because sometimes consumers can make irrational or so-called irrational decisions. So, for example, consumers may purchase or desire to purchase a product that is identical to another product because it has a luxury allure around it. So, for example, this is one probably for the ladies. I think it's called a quilted um, chain bag. Pardon me. You can get these from the likes of Zara, maybe River Island, Topshop, and I'm sure um, the online people. So that's what's that? What are they called? Fashion Nova, Boohoo. What's that for? Um, pretty little thing. You can get this, these bags, but I think the Zara price is like sixty to seventy pounds for a quilted chain bag. The Chanel equivalent is thousands of pounds. You're talking two, three, sometimes one thousand pounds. So imagine one bag. And they look pretty identical. One bag is £2,000. Another bag is £60. Surely the most, the most rational decision is to get the £60 one. In fact, you can get 10 of the Zara ones and have an incredible amount of change left over instead of buying a Chanel bag. And brand loyalty also plays into this. Brand loyalty is when a consumer has some form of attachment and loyalty towards a particular brand. For example, you hear people um, say people are Apple whores. I didn't even realise I was a bit of an Apple whore. Like I've got an Apple HomePod that I do not know why I got. Uh, I've got a MacBook that is dying on me. I've had probably for six years. I've got Apple Watch that I charge when I can remember. And an iPhone. And I had an iPad actually, RIP, which I lost. So people like me, unfortunately, are slaves for Apple. Uh, you've got the sneakerheads who queue up, who used to queue up before it became a raffle thing for the new um, Jordan drops. Now, if you're looking, if you're trying to get a Jordan or new Nike release or a Yeezy release, you're literally having to wake up, make sure you're up by, I think, 7 or 9 a.m., depending on the release, and hopefully that, and hope that you are one of the, the lucky people to get one of the trainers. Um, I think Yeezys have queues around the corner as well before... Um, they stopped releasing them in store like that because of violence and other issues. Also, like Supreme, like I think, like I think it's a Thursday release new Supreme stuff. You'll see literally queues round the block for brand new Supreme, and that's based off the strength of brand loyalty. And even with like Apple, like some people marvel at some of the new um, intuitive innovations from Apple, but Android users could will probably tell you, oh, we had that in 06 type of thing. So in terms of 
maybe specification, you might be able to get a better value for money in other products. But obviously with the branding of Apple, for example, your people are more likely to get the Apple equivalent. Also, people also perceive non-luxury goods as inferior. So if you look at, um, so for example, Adidas have a trainer called Stan Smith. I, I think the first pair of Stan Smiths I got were all black and that was in year 10. So we're talking 2014 times, yeah? They're like a classic pair of Adidas trainers. And they look pretty similar to the Alexander McQueen oversized sneaker. So the ones that people say look like platform shoes. So a pair of Adidas Stan Smiths retails, so if you're looking at your shoes, your JD, I'm not sure if they sell them on Foot Locker, your office, your, what's the other one, size, you're looking at £75 roughly for the Adidas Stan Smith sneaker. But if you're looking for Alexander McQueen oversized sneaker, so you're looking at either, what, a Mr. or Net-a-Porter, um, Selfridges, Harrods, Harvey Nicks, Farfetch, them type of places, matches, you're looking at £360. And that's like for like the standard white ones with maybe a, a different colour at the back. If you're looking at the more stylistic ones with like glitter or suede, they, they go up in price. £75 against 360 Massive price difference. But we, including me, <laughs> I will see a Stan Smith's trainer as inferior to Mama Queen's. Um, studies have shown that as humans, we believe that the more expensive something is, the better the quality is, or the better the quality, the good or services. So if you're seeing, uh, I don't know, a spa, a massage for £12 and a massage for £120, naturally you're going to believe the massage for £120 is going to be of a better quality and a better facility. And sometimes that is true, and sometimes that's not true. For example, when I realised this was true was when I when I moved out a few quite a few years ago and I thought, oh, let me be economical and go to Lidl and buy bare stuff. So I got like loads of cleaning products from Lidl, but like some of the non-brand ones, like not, well, not the non-brand, the non-name brand ones, the... And some of these products like were trash. They just smelled bad. They weren't as strong and effective as if I was to buy maybe a young Sif or what's the other one? I don't know the name of these things. Flash and all them man there. You get me? So some of these products can be inferior, but sometimes it's not inferior. Like sometimes, oh, what is it? Oh, I can't remember if it's Asda or... Iceland's orange juice, it tastes just as good, if not better, than Tropicana's. No banter. So, it just depends. So, also, another another reason why we buy designer goods is that we like authenticity. So, there's people in the world that will, not, will walk past those um, Fugazi, fake Patek, or Rolex um, Swiss watch type um, fakes, and go and spend tens of thousands of pounds or thousands of pounds on a real thing. Again, it'll be more economical to buy the, the cheaper version, but they want the authenticity. And for example, if it's like a pair of uh, Louboutin heels, it's not really like you're treating yourself if you're buying a fake pair. When like you've saved up your money or it's your birthday, you bought yourself a nice pair of cakes for, I don't know, 500 pounds, it's more of a treat than if you got some from eBay for like £50, if that makes sense. So these are some of the reasons why some of us um, purchase social goods. I mean, purchase luxury goods, especially designer ones. And also social status. Like there's certain goods, especially in the age of social media, that have like a social status element. 
So Gucci belts, well, that was probably 2007 to 10. Gucci belts was like a big social status thing. Uh, LV bag, in the same type of period. Red bottoms, aka Christian Louboutin heels or trainers. That's still kind of in now, really. Maybe not as much the heels, but definitely the trainers, um, sneakers for men. Um, Balenciaga now. You start off with the arenas maybe four or five years ago, and now you've got the Triple S and the the run, race runners and the, what's the other one? Speed knit socks. Uh, Fendi's in now, so if you've got Fendi stuff, that's a bit of a social status thing. So there's different type of designer goods that over time, that if you have that, you're you're cool. You got it. You're you're dripping. Now, why do designer items hold value sometimes? So there's early in the podcast I reference an inferior good, and that's a good where the more money you get, the less proportion of your income you spend on it. So let's say maybe you be like I don't know Tesco value stuff. Like if you've gone up from being a uni student earning a student loan plus your part-time job per year, you get a grad job at a really, like a really big IT company you got and you get like, let's say 43,000 pounds a year, you're less likely to buy Tesco value stuff. You might upgrade to a young, you know, standard branded stuff like Kellogg's and all the man that. So a normal good is a, with a normal good, the demand for that good will increase as your income rises because obviously the more money you've got, the more disposable income you've got, so you're going to buy more stuff. Also, if the price rises, that will naturally reduce your demand. And if the price um, drops, that will naturally increase your demand. So like when there's sales, you're more likely to buy something to sell. A luxury good is where people spend a greater proportion of their income on luxury goods. So when I say greater proportion, I mean when your salary increases. Okay, cool. Now my salary's up. Like I can start buying designer. Like I can get myself a Patek or I can get myself a National bag. That's a luxury good. Example, other examples of luxury goods are fine dining. So the more money you earn, the more likely you are to go to Novokov or Gaucho or any of these other um, social status places. Um, vacations, the more money you got, the more likely you to spend on a trip even further out, maybe Bali or the Maldives, if you're really dripping like that. Um, luxury watches, gym memberships, the more money you've got, you might want to go to uh, First Space or Virgin Gyms or David Lloyd or Gym Box instead of doing the the grotty gym at your at your local corner. Another reason why um, designer goods hold value is scarcity. Scarcity is essentially when something is in short supply. So if you look at some of um, the designer items that have come and went, first of all, their stock ain't gonna be as high. And obviously people are still going to want them because they've got an, a certain social status. They've got an alert about them. That's going to increase the price of them over a period of time because people want those goods. They could be seen as classics. And I'll give you examples for a bit later. But which, what ties into this is like the resale market. Now the secondhand market is really is a massive thing in the economy now. So that's when people are selling peer-to-peer. Um, so if you look at some of the recent platforms that have been developed. So you've got Depop, uh, an app where you can buy and sell things peer-to-peer essentially. Uh, Depop, their sales have been virtually dubbing year on, year out. Their sales are like over 170% in 2017, something crazy like that. They have 10 million users. Um, in 2017, they had sales of 300 million pounds. 
and 80% of their users are under 25. So you see quite a lot of young people. And I use Depop as well. I use it for, I've bought some trainers off Depop. Um, so some people might have Yeezys and, they want to, and they've hauled, obviously they kept them so they can sell them at a markup. So Yeezys, obviously they're always in limited supply, probably come out, the 350s will come out at like 160. I think the fi- um, the 500s are similar price and then the 700s are like 240, 250. But once they're gone, they're gone. So if you want them, you have to pay an extra 50, 60, sometimes even a hundred pounds on top of that. So here's where Depop comes. People must hate me on Depop because I I negotiate like a terrorist, fam. Like people are selling things for two fifty. I'm like, yeah, I'll give you one hundred and twenty for it. <laughs> people sometimes get angry and send me abuse, but most more time people just ignore me, which is quite mean. Another platform similar to this is Vistier Collective. I hope I pronounced that right. It's like another secondhand peer to peer type platform of designer goods. They have a much wider collection, so. You can see like a lot more Chanel bags, Hermes, um, Goyard. So obviously consumers have opportunity to buy and sell their products. And obviously if you've got a rare item, you can make more money on top. There's, and there's another one called Grail, which is similar. They've also got an application. Um, they've got 750,000 users where you can buy and sell luxury goods as well. So some sometimes people use the term investment buyers. Because it makes, and investment buyers make buying these um, products worth it. There are certain luxury items that if you can retain their quality, and I mean their condition, you can not only retain the fee that you paid for it, but also make a profit. And this is kind of due to their status being timeless and iconic must-haves if you're part of the Drip or Drown community. And I'm going to go through some of them. And these are probably more applicable to the ladies. Uh, one Hermes Birkin bag. It's like a really exclusive bag. They are very, very limited supply. I think you have to get brought in to even get a bag. You can't just roll into an Hermes store and say, yeah, can I buy a Birkin? I don't work like that. Like they're able to hold or gain value over time. And when I typed in, um, when I was researching price-wise, some of them are going for over 20,000 pounds on Farfetch. Another one, the Chanel flip bag, flat bag, sorry. Like, It's mad. Investing in the iconic Chanel flat bag is safer than investing in the stock market. It's consistently outperformed the S&P 500. And S&P 500 is a, is a famous exchange in America of the top 500 um, companies in America. Um, since 2008, the price of the Chanel black, the flat bag has increased more than 1,400 euros. And these prices will continue to rise. Like a medium price bag is going for like three thousand four hundred pounds secondhand. The Louis Vuitton Never um, and Never Fall bag, this is one of the most popular LV accessories. Obviously, it's got the monogram, so it's recognizable. I think it came out in two thousand seven, and these bags have gone up massively in va- in value. Like, like if you resell one of these bags, you'll get at least close to eighty percent of your investment. Which is crazy. So you could, as long as you keep in decent condition, you could have been dripping with it for a couple of years and make 80% back of it, which is amazing. Um, you're looking at £900 plus for this bag now. So this, so then, second to last one, Christian Louboutin Soquet. This is the traditional black kind of painted heel with the red bottom. Um, these shoes, um, 
will resell if you keep in good condition for 76% of its value and it costs about £500 now. And I remember they were like maybe 390 400 like five years ago. Uh, Cartier Love bracelets. Many of you have seen these like gold or silver shiny bracelets. They're really nice. Um, they've been an iconic symbol of love since the late 1960s. The original Cartier Love bracelet was $250. So imagine you bought that for $250 in, in the 1960s and held it. Um, the new love bracelets are over six thousand, seven thousand pounds um, dollars, and the vintage versions are selling for similar amounts. Like, it's crazy the, the amount of where you can hold. And when you look at the wider, the wider, man said wilder, man said Deontay Wilder, you know. When you look at the wider economy, the average um, luxury goods sales for top hundred luxury good companies are of two point two billion dollars. So they're making massive sales, and if you look at um, the the sales in terms of the top 100 is like a quarter of a trillion pounds which is crazy money um, in terms of popularity in terms of luxury designer brands in terms of Instagram users um, and Facebook and Twitter combined Louis Vuitton is the biggest then it's Gucci then it's Dior then it's D&G then it's Prada so these are like your historic um, brand names and if we're looking more internally so we're looking in the UK it's quite unclear where the British luxury market is going to go because of Brexit. Brexit makes a lot of things unclear. One of the most important drivers, according to data, is that tourists, when they travel to UK in large numbers, they take advantage of the weak pound. So the pound is not as strong as it was. So this is back to this moment's exchange rates podcast. If the pound is weaker against, let's say the currency is the euro, that means... For the same amount of euros before, I'm getting even more pounds worth. So let's say in 2008, 100 euros was getting me 60 pounds, yeah? But now in 2019, 100 euros is getting me 88 pounds. I now have an extra 28 pounds for the same amount of money, essentially. So that makes buying luxury goods a lot more appealing for tourists because it's cheaper because of the exchange rate. And another trend is that us domestic customers, we're not going to spend as much if we go to Paris or if we go to to Miami or New York because of the exchange rate. It's not as favourable as it was before. There was a period, maybe in 2005, six when one pound would get you $2. Imagine you went to New York right now and one pound is getting you $2. That would be unbelievable. Overseas um, shoppers looking for bar for bargain benefit from traveling to London. So if you compare China to London, prices are 22% cheaper here and even 21% cheaper in Italy and 21% cheaper than France. So given the current conditions, UK is fast becoming the most affordable luxury market in the world. So interesting. In terms of the brands that are growing the quickest, I think many of us can probably see this from our, like our Instagram, just being out and about. The, the, so I'm looking at the top 10s. I'll give a few names that probably stick out to the listeners more. Number one, Canada Goose. So we've seen a lot of Canada Goose jackets. We've seen a lot of Canada Geese as well, with some fake joints. Um, their net profit margin is 5.4%. Uh, Valentino, they're the third biggest um, grower, and their profit margin is 8.7%. So these are quite good profit margins. Montclair, they're the seventh largest. 
And number eight, Rich Millie, which is a luxury watch maker. Some of the watches could be two to £800,000, which is insane, obviously. And in terms of like more tech-wise, online luxury sales are expected to triple as a portion of total global luxury market sales by 2025, reaching $91 billion. Nearly one-fifth of all personal luxury sales will take place online by this time. Now you've got... Um, all the big brands all, and the big platforms got their apps. So um, Mr. Porter, Sashinetta Porter's got apps. Selfridges have an app. You can, obviously you can use Depop, um, Vestiaire, Grailed, eBay. You can buy a luxury goods at the click of a phone. Consumers online experience influences at least 40% of all luxury purchases. So if companies are getting their app rights and their online platforms right, is going to improve. So I think Selfridges and Mr. Porter have a very good website. So maybe that's the reason why I'm more likely to go there than maybe Farfetch because I, I don't really like Farfetch's website at all. Um, and if we're looking globally and you look at constant exchange, if you keep exchange rates constant for 2018, the estimate, the estimate of the total luxury goods market as a whole is 1.2% trillion euros globally which is whopping money so that's probably about a billion pounds a trillion pounds sorry so yeah the the economics of drip for you hope you've enjoyed this podcast i hope there's plenty of information for you and i hope you don't feel bad by your next luxury expense try to be responsible and reasonable but i know it's drip or dram um if you're listening on spotify make sure you're following our podcast or if you're on apple podcast make sure you're subscribed and soundcloud make sure you follow and also tell a friend to tell a friend and until next week adios sports social podcast network